Welcome, Cap fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. We broke some big news last week with a new leader and the head chair of Capital Athletics. So to kick off episode 11, we want to welcome the new interim director of athletics and recreation at Capital University, Dixie Jeffers. We'll then serve up an update from the women's volleyball program with head coach Amanda Hubbard. Then we'll head back to the class of 2003, where Rayshon Gales once ran circles around defenders for the Capitol football team. We'll talk with Rayshon and try to catch up with the man that graduated with the most rushing yards all time in Capitol football history. Let's jump into episode 11 of Forward Capitol Crusaders. Cap fam, we have a special presentation today. This is actually the first interview that we've been able to do, not over the phone. And we do it with a very special person. You actually heard from her not too long ago, but now we've kind of adjusted the very title that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. And we're here with Dixie Jeffers. She is now the interim director of athletics and recreation on top of everything else that she's got going on here at the university and in the athletics department. And we wanted to bring her on first to welcome her as the new interim director of athletics so coach slash athletic director jeffers like what do we address you as <laughs> well i think i said last time i was on with you the problem solver so we'll just stay with the problem solver because obviously we we've got a lot of things to solve here moving forward in a very quick time we do, and we wanted to talk about some of that, but also just introduce you first as the Director of Recreation and Athletics here at Capital University. It's not exactly a role that you've never had before, because there have been a couple of times where they've called your number and said, hey, come on out of the bullpen and help us out. So what makes this time a little bit different? I think what makes this so challenging is COVID-19. Um, I'm relentless on Zooms and with medical teams and so forth, and I think I know um, more about COVID-19 than I would like to know, but it's, it's absolutely going to help us moving forward um, with our medical team here to return our student athletes and our students to campus in a healthy, safe way. I have to imagine that of all the things that you know you have on your short-term list of things to do and your long-term list of things to do, addressing COVID-19 is one of them. Talk about first what are some of those short-term goals that you hope to accomplish? Well, the short-term goals right now is we're trying to do messaging and you know, I'm surrounded by an incredible medical staff and our athletic trainers here, and they're constantly writing policy and constantly trying to get messaging done in writing and so forth, and, and us preparing Zooms and us preparing some short messages of, of testimonies and so forth that are going to come out on the website, trying to educate our kids um, about the safety of this. This is real. This is not the flu. I repeat, this is not the flu. This is crippling people all over the country, and Athletic teams are shutting down right and left, and the High Athletic Conference is really making an incredible effort to try to get these kids in, in, in seasons or part of seasons that we can do. That seems to be the crux of you know the very first goal here that you've kind of been thrust into. Um, what are some of the other things? Let's assume that everything goes right and we're back in action in the fall. Maybe some of the other things that you would like to do in the short term. I want our kids to be able to have a great avenue of communication not only with their coaches, but with myself and with people like our sports information director and you, and just being able to ask the right questions, have the opportunity to know who they can go to, what resources are out there. That diversity and inclusion is a big piece on my mind. Um, I would love to get that turned around. We're mandated by the NCAA 
to have a, a diversity inclusion director here within the athletic department, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about our underrepresented sexes being able to see some people of their own gender and their own race, to be able to have a place to go and talk and to be understood. And it's gonna help us as an athletic department to be able to grow in that area and to expand on their needs and where we should go as a university. Now, we're all kind of hoping that the COVID era is a very short-lived era. It may or may not be, but however long that you're in this chair as interim athletic director, maybe what are some of the things that down the line you either want to set the foundation for or that you would like to accomplish maybe a little bit further down the road? Well, one of my things that I want to do is, is to develop an even stronger working, winning culture. I think, uh, you know, I love to win, and I'm going to surround myself with people that want to win. I want to surround myself there with people that are totally invested into our student athletes here. Uh, the parents are paying a lot of money, and I want them to get their buck. You know, when we do camps, the kids that come to camp, I always tell people, you want a refund, you come see me, but I guarantee you, you probably aren't going to ask for one because you're going to get your money's worth. And that's kind of the motto that I want to have around me is people, you're going to get your money's worth. Um, I'm surrounded by incredible coaches, incredible people. I just want us to really go into this together as one team and to really fight this COVID and fight anything that's coming at us to, to be able to come out on top as winners. Including the Quakers and the Cardinals and the Pioneers and all those. Sometimes they may be the easiest thing to fight <laughs> because right now the COVID is a monster and uh, we're navigating it as fast as we can. Awesome. I know that you know time is precious and also short at the same time. Um, what do you feel like has been the challenge that you've had to most navigate as we try to prepare for the most safe environment possible? Well, every day, you know, we write policy and then the next day we're rewriting policy, then the next day we're rewriting policy. It changes on an everyday basis. When people say this is a fluid situation, it really is a fluid situation. And I guarantee you we'll be changing as soon as we get these kids back to campus, we'll be changing. But we're, our medical staff has taken their due diligence of the, the temperature checks, the, you know, checking the Xbox here and checking there, the, the six foot or beyond social distancing, the 10 groups, 10, no more than 10 groups, the no mask in everything. For me, one of the challenges is spacing. And it's a challenge for the university because we have to space everybody out. So we're utilizing the green space that we have as much as possible and trying to get it ready for the month of July to return to allow teams to go anywhere that we can get them on campus right now. So Bexley's not gonna have a problem knowing that the athletes are back. Very good. Now, we're here with Director of Athletics and Recreation, Dixie Jeffers. Coach Jeffers, at this point in time, you're still the head basketball coach here for the women's team. So, uh, you know, how do you balance all of these things? How do you plan on doing that? That's something that I'm really working hard on. Um, usually Fridays for me is where I call recruits, and then I'm getting ready to start to virtual, you know, Zoom them and so forth. And we're setting up a leadership plan to be able, because that's a new rule for us in, in Division Three that we can have 10 hours a week with our student athletes and leadership. I am excited about that as well, because it's, not, it's a piece that we've needed for a long time is that, that contact and so forth. And leadership is one of the, the hottest topics everywhere. And so I'm excited about implementing some plans there and so forth. And I haven't figured it all out yet, but I've got to figure this to get these kids back first. And then, uh, 
you know, our, my season's not till the winter, but we'll hit the ground running. I have very uh, strong assistants that are going to be able to assist me in that and help pull some of the weight there. So coach slash athletic director Jeffers, <laughs> you know, here's your opportunity to, you know, say what needs to be said from the athletic director podium, you know, whatever that may be, the floor is yours. Well, I would call out on the Crusader Nation and basically is that we need you more than we've ever needed our alumni right now. Uh, we need our parents to be patient as parents. I, I get it. And we're doing everything we can as a university to pull this off. I need our alumni to be patient because we're going to try to play as much of a season as we can possibly play. If anybody has any um, opportunities they want to or concerns, they're more than happy to email me, to call me, whatever. I'll discuss it with them. But people, I think the biggest word right now is support and patience because this is something that none of us have ever had to go through. Hopefully none of us will ever have to go through it again or our kids. And um, that's the biggest thing I think the message I would send is, is the patience and the support. Now, you said that this was going to be a pretty fluid situation, Coach. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. You know, as things come out, we're probably going to be announcing them as they do. But can we get you to commit to maybe coming on the program every other week just to kind of give us your view of the updates? You know, I'm a person that believes in communication, and I think the more we communicate, the more people's fears and concerns are eased. And I'd be more than happy to come on and, and continue to give the message of how we're going to move forward with COVID. There you have it. Breaking news. Coach Jeffers is going to join us as the interim athletic director and give us updates every other week on this podcast, Forward Capital Crusaders. Uh, Coach slash athletic director Jeffers, uh, we certainly appreciate your time, and uh, we can't wait to hear more of the updates that come uh, down the pike as we get them. And I know that you're working hard to get us all back on campus as safe as possible for as long as possible so that we can play as full of a season as possible. So first, congratulations on the elevation, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to keep on going here in Forward Capital Crusaders as we talk with Amanda Hubbard of the Capital Volleyball Program and see what is happening out on the court. Hey, Cap fam, it is time for another program check-in. And to do so, we are going to bring in the head coach of the Capital Volleyball team, and that is Amanda Hubbard. We're talking some Capital Volleyball as we start to kind of prep our minds for the fall season that is to come. And so, Coach, welcome first and foremost. And, you know, on this show, we have actually been talking a lot about COVID-19 and its impact on our teams as well as others around the country. Uh, you know, it didn't really impact you so much as far as your regular season because you were already completed with your uh, 2019 campaign, but it did kind of disrupt your non-traditional season. What's the impact been for Capital Volleyball? Um, it's actually had a big impact on the ladies' mental and emotional state, you know, making sure that they're still going to stay in shape. Um, not having access to a weight room or a gymnasium to get touches on the volleyball. Uh, they were really looking forward to spring, and they were very, very upset that they didn't get to have one. But, um, you know, they've all done their best at home with at-home drills, um, you know, finding maybe a, a beach that they can play on that's open. <laughs> uh, but they've all been really concerned because they made such great strides uh, January, February, and March before uh, we got shut down. So they're all just eager to get back in the gym and, and get to what they know how to do best. 
you know, you brought up something that I wasn't planning on going down this road, but it's an excellent point that beach volleyball is kind of the closest comparison to indoor volleyball. How does beach volleyball serve as an appropriate substitute or a training mechanism for our teams? Playing in the sand is very difficult, hence I don't do it. Um, So, you know, I encourage our athletes to do it because jumping out of the sand um, is difficult. Moving left, right, diving, getting back up. um, It's very good for their lateral movements, their verticals. If they're able to play two-on-two, it creates better court awareness because you don't have five other people around you. You only have one other person that you're working with. Um, In addition, it really heightens your communication skills. So, um, the ball is much lighter. Uh, the rules are a little different, but it does help uh, with the indoor game from a lot of different facets. Now, when you look back on last season, it was one in which you introduced a lot of young players, um, and all of them seemed to progress and grow over the course of the season. And as a result, there was a 10-win improvement from the previous year. Now, how do you grade last season, the 2019 campaign, and what did you take away from it the most? I'd say maturity. Um, since I came to Capital, I've had a big focus on getting the culture where it needs to be, having expectations and standards, um, and making sure that the athletes could buy into that. And that's a process. You know, it's a, a trusting process that happens on both sides of the aisle. And I think we're at a place now where we have the right kind of athletes that can lead and that the other players want to follow. Um They've got my buy-in, and at times I think they're a little too bought in as far as playing for me versus just playing for the program and playing for themselves. So I think all in all we're in the right direction in terms of maturity and growth. Now that's kind of the 30,000-foot view. Now if we kind of zero in on a particular individual, who amongst the group stood out and showed the most progress or maybe even surprised you the most? Hmm. I think everyone for the season, I'll, I'll just speak on the season because um, spring's completely different because we did get two days before we got shut down. Um, but in season, everyone was blown away by Aaron O'Connell um, from attitude to performance to communication. It was like she came in with a mission and she wasn't going to let anyone get in her way. And the team wholeheartedly respected that and followed her work ethic, um, her mental toughness, and it was it was great to see. And she's only she was only a sophomore, so her junior year could be even more exciting. Now, when you look back on this past season and look forward to the fall, what do you think the top three things you will need to improve uh, from year to year? The first thing, and I think it's the most important, is just knowing how to finish. Um, we yes we won 10 matches but there are a few that got away from us that were five set matches that we lost and a lot of that comes down to experience and knowing how to finish a match in that fifth set um i'd say the second thing is making sure that they give themselves credit. I think this generation is very quick to judge themselves and criticize and they spend so much time dwelling and we've worked a lot on that, giving themselves positive affirmation and knowing that, you know, 
they're not a brain surgeon. This is a volleyball game and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. (laughs) Just know how to bounce back from that. And I would say the third thing we're looking to approve upon for this year is I think just overall volleyball IQ. We grew a lot um, from a defensive perspective. Now it's time to really focus on the offense. I think that's going to help us finish matches um, a lot better than we did this year. We're talking with the head volleyball coach at Capital University, Amanda Hubbard. And Coach Hub, you came to Columbus from New York. And I think that we've had conversations about the style of volleyball and how it can differ between regions. It's kind of like pizza crust, you know, <laughs> which one do you which one do you like? So how does New York volleyball differ from Ohio volleyball from your perspective? What I have found is in New York, there are a lot more pockets where the competition isn't as strong out here in Ohio. Even with some recruits I've talked to, you know, they'll say, hey, coach, can you come watch this match? You know, it should be an easy win for us. And I go watch and they go four or five sets. And I don't think that any team, whether you look at the OAC um, or the high school teams, D1, D2, D3, you cannot say you're just going to walk in and win the match. I think um, the level of competition out here is very good, very high, and very consistent. I think in New York, um, it is not, which is why my high school coach and past assistant, Patty Perone, would always take us to the areas that had better competition. Otherwise, you weren't going to see competition until regionals or states, and then who knew what would happen there, just because you weren't used to seeing that kind of competition. Now, when you know, there's obviously competition differences between regions, do you see any other differences or maybe do you see other differences between regions across the country that has impact the type of volleyball that you have played and coached? Um, I think in New York, the rules are a lot more strict than they are out here as far as um, how summer goes. I think club is pretty equivalent like you can't have more than three players from your high school team if you're coaching as a high school coach you can't have more than three players on that team um and then that goes for an entire team so even the club that I run we had to make sure that we didn't have more than three athletes from the same school on each team um regardless of who was coaching so I think that that's a great way that USA Volleyball is trying to get equal competition, but then you also lose out on how you're organizing open and American teams. Um, So I think with that here, I see that the recruits that I talk to, they're like, oh, well, I have a 6 a.m. left and then I have to go practice at night. I'm like, wow, you know, do you ever have time for a part-time job, babysitting, you know, really a life? Um, and they don't. So I think they miss out on some interpersonal skills, whereas the student athletes on the East Coast really do get a summer. You know, they get a little break. And I think that's very healthy for any athlete. Now, you mentioned club teams and you do coach club. Um, so if you were to give a, one free piece of advice to a young volleyball player out there, what would that be? Think outside the box. <laughs> Do not expect every coach to tell you every answer. And when you start thinking about the game from a different perspective, other than waiting for someone to tell you what to do, your growth and acceleration as a player is going to outweigh the other student athlete that is just waiting to be told what to do. So think outside the box and be a sponge. 
Now, Coach, you were an All-American in your time at Ithaca, so you got game, and uh, that comes as a byproduct of some solid coaching. So what's the best advice that you were ever given as a player? I'd have to say it's a combination of talking about pride and work ethic. And I wouldn't say it was so much from coaches as it was my own family. Um, You know, I really felt a sense of purpose playing with the last name Hubbard and it's become my nickname Hub. And I made sure that whenever I left the gym or the weight room, you know, I was drenched in sweat and I made sure that in high school and in college that I would be first. I didn't want to be second to anyone, whether it came to the weight room or in drills or competition. Um, and I think that mentality really helped me become the type of player that I was because I wasn't being totally selfish. I wanted what was best for the team, but I also wanted to make sure that I was doing the best that I could for myself. We're talking with head volleyball coach Amanda Hubbard. And coach, let's talk some more Crusader volleyball. You know, how is this year's recruiting class shaping up? I know it's been a challenge for everybody, but what can you tell us about the incoming class? The whole team is excited. They love this group. I love this group. I think from what they're going to bring talent-wise and personality-wise is exactly what we need. Um, they're all very hungry and personable, and they just embody what we're looking for. Super competitive. They want to be a part of bigger, part of something that's bigger than themselves, and they want to come for a great education. So we have, I think, 10 <laughs> that are coming in that are going to be you know, really ready to go and just – want to come and compete and that's really what we need when you look at the recruiting class it's 10 deep so i got to imagine that they're all going to be um, competing and they address different areas so what areas did you address uh, position by position or even just skill sets we really were focusing on middles i've asked players in the past and some that are still on the roster like um Regina Setnarowski and Kaylee Hamby, who knew how to play middle, but it wasn't their expertise. But they stepped up this past fall and, you know, filled in that that gap for us. Um, so we actually found some true middles that have been playing in that position for most of their career, and they they know that they're coming in to do that for us. Uh, with that being said, we also have some utility players that can play on either pin, and we have players that I was looking that could fill in the shoes of the junior for when they leave. Um, So it's kind of like planning ahead to make sure we have the right personnel and positions for when our, you know, really strong junior class leaves. Now, when you look at what the NBA or other pro sports organizations are trying to do in order to salvage their seasons this summer. How do you feel that impacts your preparation to the 2020 season? Um, do you feel that we're, you know, we're, do you feel optimistic and, and how do you feel that this is encouraging your student athletes to keep their heads up and, and get ready? I am optimistic. I think, um, this is going to be great if it works and a disaster if it doesn't. Um, but I've also remained really hopeful with my athletes. You know, we're just constantly talking about what needs to happen in the fall, that they're looking forward to season versus when we're going to have a season. So 
we as a team haven't talked much about the MLB and our NBA. Um, but I know that they're aware, which is why their anxieties and emotions have diminished because um, they were really concerned if we were even going to have a season um, when we were talking back in May. Well, let's hope that that turns out to be the case that we're all meeting together and, and playing some volleyball here uh, in probably less than two months. So it's, uh, yes. it's coming fast. So what yes, do you look forward to uh, most about this upcoming season? This crew is, they're ready. I think they've, um, they've seen it all now, you know, from different personalities and how to manage those, uh, how to manage um, their academics understand the expectations that we have for the program um and also just like giving back to the community has become such a big part of what they want to do um and there's a lot where i don't have to push much for it it's their own initiative and i think that that says a lot about their growth and and what they want to do and a lot of them have some really good goals um individually and for the team fall so i think we're all on the right track and um, uh, we all have the right mindset for the 2020 season so when we close out here just kind of give me a few names of people that you know are going to come back you know be a big contributor or someone that you know has been working really really hard that you know is going to make a major impact on the upcoming season who are those people going to be i have to give a, a, a shout out to my my rising seniors uh Jessica Gavlak, Izzy Jimenez, and Leanne Osborne. I mean, they've they've truly seen it all, and they've been with me over the past three years now, going into their fourth. And I'm just really excited to see what type of leadership they bring to the core because they've seen so many different styles, um, and all three of them can do something different. I think Leanne leads by example. Uh, Izzy leads vocally, and Jess does a little bit of both. And I think it's a perfect group to lead us into the 2020 season uh, from start to finish fantastic we look forward to it so now it's time to learn both a little bit about you and the team as well we're going to put you on the hot seat and serve you up some quick hitters so get ready the first one that we're going to serve up i kind of alluded to it earlier um but what's your favorite pizza style oh um well i don't like thin crust i just like regular crust just not thin. I don't like thin, thin crust New York style. I like it right in the middle. And I don't like deep to Chicago. I'm pretty picky. Us New Yorkers are picky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the athlete side of things. Who's your favorite athlete growing up or even currently? Uh, I actually loved Logan, Tom, and Stacey Sakura. They both played on the USA volleyball team um, when I was growing up. And I thought they were. I thought they were like professional athletes back then. I thought they were like getting paid to play volleyball, <laughs> like the NBA. Nice. Now, do you have a particular set of sports teams that you follow? Or are you, uh, you know, a Yankee gal, a Buffalo Bills gal? Like who, who, are, who are your teams? I actually don't like any New York football teams, but you just always feel bad. So you always like keep track of the Bills. Um, and yes, I, I've always been a Yankee fan, but I've always followed the Lakers actually, um, for the NBA and, um, every other sport I just like to watch, to watch, but the Lakers, I actually keep track of what they're doing, who's playing and, and, uh, stats and records and all that. Now, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? This was tough. Cause I really like, 
I was like, should I say bring it on the cheerleading movies? But I'm going to go with <laughs> Coach Carter. I think that was one I watched quite a few times. Um, I think it has a good message and um, I own it. <laughs> I, I can definitely get on board with that answer more so than your other ones. So <laughs> go with that one. Uh, what other sports did you play growing up? I was a big softball player. Um, I actually played that before I started volleyball and I also was a dancer and a figure skater. Wow. Figure skating. That is a, that is a program first here on forward capital crusaders. Yay. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so transitioning back over to volleyball, what about this game just gets you hyped up and is like your favorite thing about it? The momentum swings. There's no other sport like it. All right. Now, if you weren't a coach, what would be your dream job? To own my own bakery. <laughs> Should have saw that one coming, considering you kind of turn our kitchenette into a bakery at times. <laughs> now, how about the team? Who do you feel is the team jokester? Uh, I, I genuinely cannot pick one because there are a couple that feed off each other. And I would have to say Janae Koksis and Regina Setnarowski, those two at any given time will, will make you laugh and make your day 10 times brighter. See, it's always the quiet ones. When I see them, they just go silent, but it's the quiet ones you got to watch out for, I guess. Always. I, I, there are times I've walked into the locker room before a like team talk and what I've witnessed to, for those to get the team hyped up, I, I wish I was forewarned. It was hysterical and I'm glad that they do that kind of stuff to, to make each other laugh and, you know, get loose before the game. All right. Well, let's talk some fashion. Who has the best and the worst fashion sense on the team? I feel like the best is Leanne. She always, when she does get dressed up, She's always on point and it's like I just opened up a Vogue or InStyle magazine. Um, and then am I allowed to say I think all of them dress horribly because I don't understand the mid-drifts and high-rise. I just don't get it. So <laughs> I don't really relate to them in that fashion. <laughs> well, that, that just is a sign that you and I are maybe advancing in maturity or age i guess <laughs> we're just not seeing the same things they do yeah like i'm not gonna pay 70 bucks for jeans with holes in them i just i don't get that well that i'm i'm with you on that i'll, I'll take a 20 dollar <laughs> pair of jeans and go rustle in the mud and take a <laughs> pocket knife to it to get what i want so <laughs> all right so i know that you're you're i don't I, I believe that you're kind of on top of things when it comes to uh, things that are on TV and, and good shows out there. So what are you binge watching right now? Uh, well, in one night I watched all of Tiger King because I had to watch what everyone was talking about. Um, let's see here. Oh, we've been binge watching Golden Girls, The Nanny, and Everybody Loves Raymond. Now you're King of Queens. Yeah, yeah, King of Queens is on almost every day. Yep, we got, yeah, you're, you're talking my style now. <laughs> what's on deck? I know that it sounds like you got a lot of shows going on right now, but what's something that you kind of are really looking forward to spending some time watching? Embarrassingly, we need to finish Game of Thrones. <laughs> so that's like, when we actually sit down to do that, that's what we're going to finish. 
and just like that, you lost me. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what is one thing that, you know, we've had a little bit of extra time, um, both in the spring and the summer. What's something that you've been doing a little bit more with that extra time? We have pretty much redone our entire downstairs, the bathroom, kitchen, and um, living area, and the outdoor patio area. A lot of paint, new floors. Um, it's been fun for both of us because we really don't know what we're doing. We're just kind of diving in and learning as we go. So that has been what we've done for the last few weeks. Volleyball coach, baker, and YouTube contractor. I like yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> what, is, what is one thing that you enjoy doing that may surprise people? Um, every night I play video games. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to ask, what video game is it that you're playing? Currently, I am playing Red Dead Redemption 2 on PS4. Fair enough. All right. So that means you're a PS uh, PlayStation gal and not an Xbox gal. Or do you, do you play around with both of them? We don't own an Xbox, but we do have N64, Super Nintendo, PlayStation 1, and a DS. So we, we play those. <laughs> Dig in all the vintage, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, I just, I'm still looking for a good mint condition Nintendo, original Nintendo. I want to play some Duck Hunt. There you go. All right. How about uh, favorite musician, artist, or band? I love and can listen to it anytime, Little Big Town. They're my favorite country group. All right. And to wrap this all up, I have to ask, what is your favorite thing about Capital? I have to say the community um, between what I've needed, um, some of the experiences, both positive and negative. Some of my players have gone through in the last four years. There's always been a Capital community there for support. And I think that goes very far um, for anybody. You know, there's a lot of times where we're always there for other people and it's nice to know there's always going to be someone there for you too. Awesome. Well, we have been talking with Amanda Hubbard, the head volleyball coach at Capital University. She'll be prepping up for her fourth season at the helm of the Crusaders volleyball program. Coach Hub, uh, keep on working hard in the summertime. Stay safe. And thanks for joining us here on Forward Capital Crusaders. Thanks. Same to you. All right, and so you can check them out on Twitter and Instagram at Capu Volleyball. Uh, stick around, and we will keep this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders going just after this. All right, Cap fam, are you ready to head back into our time for our next alumni spotlight? Whether you are or not, we're ready to go. And in Columbus, people talk about football all 12 months of the year. We at Capital are no exception to that. So we welcome to the program from the class of 2003, standout running back from Capital Football, Rayshon Gales. Welcome, Rayshon. I'm pretty sure that Crusader football fans know your name as well for the number of years that you held a few records and lit up opponents as a running back for Cap. So let's start with where are you now and what you're up to and how your life is treating you. Hello, hello, Cap community. It's good to hear, be back. Um, I'm currently living in Florida. It's in Pinellas County. I'm a real estate agent with Keller Williams of Seminole down there. So selling waterfront properties on the beach. So if anybody's looking for a great investment or a commercial property, 
Hey, I'm here for you. <laughs> we were talking about how how you never actually turn off that salesman kind of mentality, and I'm glad you brought it. No, <laughs> man, you gotta be gotta be open. You know, I I gotta show Capital. You know, they did their job. You know. <laughs> well, you know what? In some years, I'm not quite financially there yet, but when I am, you're my call. Oh, teamwork makes the dream work. That's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a big topic of the podcast is, and really a primary reason as to why we created it, is the coronavirus. And, you know, you said you're down in Florida right, and right. it's kind of, you're in the headlines a lot here nationally. So in your area, what has life been like in the attempt to keep safe from its impact? And have you and anybody in your circle had any encounters with the coronavirus? All right. Well, um, I'm a single father. My um, son is 10 years old, so... Um, it, it definitely made an impact because I am a um, self-employed um, individual. So like as far as like when the schools, when the kids were no longer able to go to schools, um, it became an online process. And, you know, I, I really had much more of an appreciation for teachers during that process, to say the least. Um, and so and, and I think my son, he definitely you know, it, it probably affected him learning wise as well, because he, he's more of a social person. He needs to be around kids. So that was definitely um, um, a different change that we had to adjust to. And um, mainly, like as far as like the first wave um, that, that like when the um, Florida first closed, um, people took, for the most part, took the proper precautions. Um, a lot of Unfortunately, the sad part was a lot of the um, businesses that closed. Unfortunately, a lot of those um, smaller businesses didn't return back. So um, that that was definitely an effect. But as far as the health and safety, you know, main main thing was you know washing your hands, wearing your mask, wear gloves, you know, and um, just protect yourself and, and others around you, and especially in Florida because um, the, there, there's a larger, older um, population in that state, um, you, you definitely want to make sure you did your part. But unfortunately, um, now that I'm here vacationing in Ohio, I recently got the news that um, Florida is on a second lockdown um, as far as closing um, all the bars and things of that nature um, due to an increase in the coronavirus um, cases. So therefore, right now, um, looks like Florida's back on the same track, and uh, my vacation will be extended. <laughs> there are worse things to, <laughs> to say, say than least. that phrase right there. <laughs> Definitely. So, Ohio, I'll be here for a little bit. Well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, you're in Florida now. Where was home prior right. to coming to Capitol, and what led you to Capitol? Okay, well, um, I'm originally from the Warrensville and Shaker Heights area um, of um, Cleveland, the little suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I moved to Whitehall, Ohio in my freshman year of high school. So I went um, to Whitehall Yearling High School from high school, from, um, from freshman year through graduation. So that, that was my my home away from home. I took a little stint down in Scottsdale, Arizona, right after um, high school to a junior college at Scottsdale Community College. 
Yes, if y'all never heard of it, it is the home of the artichokes, the fighting artichokes, <laughs> the vegetables. Yes, this is true. Cannot make it up. But I did not know that until um, it was actually a, during camp when I found out when that they were the fighting artichokes. Their their logo was a Superman symbol at the time, so I got thrown off. <laughs> well, you know what? That adds to my list of personal best and worst mascot names. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's on the list nationally. Yeah, yeah, it's on the list. Yeah, <laughs> look it up. Look I don't up. think you can avoid that list with a name like that. So you you no, go to a community can't. college in Arizona. Uh, I'm assuming you played football right. out there. I mean, what made you want right. to come back and play at Capital? What led you back here? Well, you know, actually, at the end of the day, I wanted to be closer to family. So um, I I actually sat out a year um, coming back home from Scottsdale, Arizona, sat out a year of football and um, just went to school at um, Columbus State Community College. And um, then randomly, I got a phone call from um, the head coach at um, Capital University, Jim Collins. He, he, um, he gave me a call and, and um, he told me, he informed me that he heard I wasn't playing football at the time and that I should give Capital University a try. And um, at that time, I was mainly focused on my um, on my academics, so I wanted to know if, you know, Capital had a good business program. So he told me to come check it out, and the rest is history. Well, we're glad that you, even though the dots were a little bit, uh, you know, varying over the course of the map of the United States, we're glad that it landed, right. the final dot right. landed in Columbus and in the, and Capital University. We're talking with Sean Gales, former running back of the Capital University football team in our alumni spotlight. And so, hey, let's talk some football. Uh, before you get, before we get into your playing career at Cap, uh, walk us through what sports you played growing up and how you landed on football as the one that you wanted to focus on. Well, I mean, football, I think I was born to play a sport, to be honest with you. Um, actually, I, like growing up, like I had a brother that was five years older than me. So I always hung out with him and his friends and as well as my friends. And, you know, as a kid growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, being a Browns fan, what we always did was play street football. <laughs> and um, that, <laughs> that was our passion. That's just what we did. It was just like kids today play video games. We were outside playing football, trying to pretend like we were our favorite athletes. So, um, yeah, it, it all started. The passion definitely started on street football, playing with kids older than my, older than myself, um, more age. And then, you know, one day my brother came home with a trophy that was real shiny. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was time for me to go ahead and step my game up to the next organized level. So, my brother actually um, is the reason why I started playing organized football because it was actually a gift uh, for my eighth, my eighth birthday. My brother actually took me to a, a little league team called the Cleveland Warriors and um, in a very famous league in, around the Cleveland area. And um, that's where it started. That's where it started. Excellent. Now, were you always a running back or what uh, other positions did you play until you gravitated toward that? No, actually, um, I started off at, on the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. And um, on defense, I played middle linebacker. Um, on offense, I was a right guard. And um, ironically, 
um, the person I used to block for in Little League used to also be an assistant coach um, with the our fellow Crusaders, um, Andre Griffin, who's the son of the two-time Heisman Trophy winner, Archie Griffin. I was his offensive lineman as a as a little kid. So, so we played on the same team, grew up together. Um, I, um, Andre actually ended up playing in the same same city in Shaker Heights that we lived in. So, but yeah, that that's how it all started. I played offensive line and um, linebacker, and I'm quite sure a lot of people here in Cleveland tell you I'm probably better on defense than I am offense. But that's debatable. <laughs> I tell you, every time that we start talking with alums and learn a little bit more, there's these incredible connections that we discover. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The, now having a connection definitely. to Archie Griffin. Uh, yeah, I guess we can we can play that card mm-hmm. now too. Excellent. Right. Now you came to Cap and you did a lot of damage against your opponents, uh, especially in your junior and senior seasons. Um, you seemed to be pretty steady when you started contributing really early. What kept you engaged and motivated to get into a regular rotation of snaps? Well, to be honest with you, um, as a athlete and a competitor, you always want to be on the field. And um, ever, like I said, going back to Little League, there was there has never been a time where I never started. So um, I just. Uh, any way I can contribute, I'm just—it's pretty much leading by example and getting on the field and showing your teammates and your coaches that 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 you have something to, to provide to the team and to, to contribute. And um, anything that I could do to to show that and um, show that I wanted to help the team win, everything else falls into place after that. Excellent. We're talking with Rayshon Gales, class of 2003, former Capital Football running back. You know, in those two years that you were a regular starter toward the back end of your career, uh, you finished each season as a first team all OAC performer. And up until 2014, both of those seasons yielded rushing yard totals that were inside the Capital top 10 for a single season. When you look back at those seasons in particular, what do you believe led to that kind of success? Well, first and foremost, um, the opportunity. Without an opportunity, you don't you don't have a chance to um, contribute. So, obviously, giving um, credit to the team as well. I mean, I had a great offensive line that backed me up. Um, they definitely had some big hogs up there protecting me. Um, I had uh, other threats on offense as far as our quarterbacks and receivers. That was always a problem for the defense. But um, at the end of the day, for me personally, going, I mean, I, I just want to help the team win. So everything that that I could do to help the team win, everything else fell in line. And, and um, just trying to go about it the right way, just trying to motivate players the right way, just trying to motivate yourself the right way to do the right things, to um, put yourself in a good position to um, overcome the adversity. So that's what that's really what it came down to. Now, when you look back, is there a game that you remember best or sticks out for some reason or another? Well, actually, I would say two, two games. Um, definitely one game would be against um, Otterbein. Um, ironically, um, it was my first year at Capitol in 2000. And um, ironically, I, I – 
we played our home games at my old high school at Whitehall Yearling High School. So that was a that was a home game for me and for Capital as well. So and um it was a crazy weather game. Like I mean, I think it snowed, it rained, it rained sideways. I mean, every type of way, it, like type of weather you could think of, it happened that game. And um, unfortunately, um, my poor my poor Whitehall yearling um, Phil got destroyed that game. But I'll never forget it because um, when the game was delayed, I believe um. Otterbaum was up on us. They, they were definitely up on us. That was um, throughout my career at Capitol. I had uh, – there's two plays that I think of vividly, and one of them happened in that game where I fumbled, and the guy took the ball, took it, turned, returned it all the way for a touchdown. So, yeah, it edges in my mind. But um, I would never forget, like, they were – they really thought that they won the game during the delay. Like during the halftime and the delay, they really thought that they were that they won the game. So, so they were really egging us on when we were going into the locker rooms during the delay. And um, I know I was very upset about that fumble that I had made. And um, it it just came to a point where when we got back on that field, we remember what they were doing, and we went back out on that field and we beat those rivals. Um, I don't know what to call them. Sometimes they're the Otters. Sometimes they're the Cardinals. Take your pick. But we got them back. We got them that day. That's one of my biggest um, memories of, of a game at Capitol. But definitely the other game is um, in 2001, um, our first home game at, in the new stadium when we played against Heidelberg shortly after um, 9-11. That was a game to remember, definitely. And it would always be in my heart for sure. All of those things sound so on brand for Ohio between the weather, the rivalry, like just all of it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You're not a football player if you don't play at all. You're terrain. absolutely right. Even <laughs> if there's a dry spot or not a muddy spot in a game like that, you didn't do it right. Now, you graduated the all-time rushing leader, which stood for more than a decade behind more than 2,200 yards and 23 touchdowns as well. And those 2001 and 2002 teams were also vastly improved from previous years with thanks to your play. So when you look back on your career, how pleased are you with your accomplishments, uh, both at school and for your team? Well, to be honest with you, that, that, that's probably one of the hardest questions because as a competitor and when I first decided to come to Capitol, I, had, I definitely had a personal mission, and I wanted it to be a mission across the entire university was to beat Mount Union. And um, within the three years um, that I was at Capitol, we were, to be, we were able to beat every single team in the conference with an exception of Mount Union. So as far as that goes, unfortunately, we mission, mission incomplete because um, I still think um, with the momentum that we originated with those teams, that we can still get there. And um, I think the setback is a setup for a comeback. And if we stay focused, we can get there. We can get there. Capital is a great school, and um, great things can happen. But um, definitely, definitely. But overall, uh, there's no, there's no, there's nothing to hang our heads on. We we did exactly 
um, what we needed to do and where we should be proud of it. I'm proud of the relationships and everything that was built at Capitol. But we need to get back to our winning ways. No sure. doubt. Now, if you look back one more time on your career, uh, if you were to give yourself a Madden rating like the football video game, what do you think it would have been? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would guess um, I would go with um, I'll keep it realistic and give myself a 96, <laughs> I guess. You know, I, you know. I can't sell myself short, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go to full hundred, you know, but I'll go, I'll go. 90. I'm going to bump you up to a 97 <laughs> just because of your prior offensive line experience. Your blocking rating probably is a little bit higher than you expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe my, maybe you can ask some of my quarterbacks about that. Um, Bartholomew and, and Ed Hill and, and, um, yeah, definitely not the first game against Anderson for Rocky. So, so. <laughs> we'll make sure to ask him that next time he comes around. We're talking with Rayshon Gales, right. the uh, former football player, standout running back for Capital Football, class of 2003. So, Rayshon, we're going to get a little bit deep with you right now. So, get ready to dive with us. What is the best non football memory that you have at Capital? Well, um, at Capitol, I had a beautiful daughter that always was with me. So um, definitely spending time with my daughter. Um, there was times at Capitol University where um, I had to take finals and my daughter was in her car seat and sitting in, in the classroom with me as I took finals. So um, I cherish little moments like that. Um, that was off the field. So definitely things like that. All right now, mm-hmm. with- Spending time with my no daughter. Doubt. When you look back, what do you value most about your time at Capitol? Well, obviously, um, the relationships, the friendships that I, um, I was able to build and still have to this day. I mean, we we definitely prided ourselves on um, having a Cap family, and um, I definitely felt that during my time at Cap and um, those uh, all my people at Capitol, they know I still love them today. Now, Rayshon, clearly when we turn on the news or even when we walk outside, we hear and we see things about injustice and inequality that's happening across this country. And empathy is really hard to achieve for someone like me who comes from a different background with different life experiences than you. So how are you processing what we are all trying to digest and navigate together? Well, I mean, it really comes down to... In my personal opinion, uh, I just really feel like we need to get back to fundamentals, uh, fundamentals of life. You know, um, the way the way I approach life is I respect people before I meet them. It's up to them to lose my respect. So it's not about your color. It's not about anything like that. So um, I respect people for who they are, and um, and I think that's. When we're all trying to be great at something, we all have to go back to our fundamentals. And I think um, one thing, one common denominator that we all can relate to is we all want respect. And um, if we all give that, I think everything else can trickle down. But till then, just keep loving one another. Keep loving one another. I love both the simplicity as well as like the coaching analogy going back to fundamentals. I think that's 
probably one of the best ways that I've heard it explained uh, in recent weeks. So thank you for that. Now, what would you what would you tell someone that is trying to understand uh, someone that wants to empathize and do their part to support equity and justice? What would you tell them? Well, just, just instead of just talking about it, practice it. I mean, one thing, um, and, and show show your kids, educate your kids, not just educate them, but show your kids that um, you have empathy for the next man or woman. Um, just I, once once again, I, I I'm really big on leading by example. So I feel if you lead by example, um, there there's um, if you're if you're promoting hate, then there's also a trickle down effect on that. But as long as there's a devil, there's always gonna be hate. But as long as there's a God, there's always gonna be love. So um, we just need more more love out there, more love and teach and educating those to love. Amen to that. All right, let's end our conversation on a lighter note with some quick hitters. Uh, so okay. these are these are kind of like button hooks or slant routes of the interview right here. So um, all right, let's go for it. All right, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Athlete of all time, I would go with Muhammad Ali. Solid. Favorite sports movie of all yeah. time? Oh, without question, I w- I'm not getting in the ring with him. Ooh. Who? What is your favorite oh, movie definitely. of all time? Okay, um, favorite sports movie of all time? Mm, that's the tough one, but uh, one that sticks out is Waterboy. <laughs> all right, good deal. Yeah, Waterboy. How about favorite sports teams that you like to follow? You tease that you're a Browns fan, but who else and, and why? Well, I'm from Cleveland, so Cleveland, first off. Cleveland Browns, Cavs, Indians, and a little whatever soccer team they have around here. I'll, I'll root for them too, but I'm also America's team. Go Cowboys! <laughs> See, I knew I liked you. I knew I really liked you. <laughs> Go Cowboys! All right. Yep. Now, what teammate do you think you'll never be able to forget, for better or for worse? Oh, I'll never forget all those guys, man. I can't just think of this one for better or for worse. I mean, I, I love them all to death. I mean, they, they were all unique, came with different backgrounds and experiences and life experiences. So it, it was just great opportunity to be around the guys and, and, and accomplish what we was able to accomplish together. And, and not only that, but um, some great professors out there that was able to um, still know to this day, like Professor Jane, Jane Baldwin. She was awesome. I love her to death. So, yeah, just just a bunch of great people at Capital University. And, and there was a great intertwining between Capital and Whitehall. So I, I know a lot of people that also went from Whitehall to Capital. So it was a beautiful thing. All right. Now, you mentioned that you are a dad as well. And uh, are, you, are you a, a like coach dad where you're, you're coaching them from the sidelines or even in the dugout with them? cheerleader dad where you're crazy on the sidelines or are you the the stoic silent type well it depends on the on the situation (laughs) (laughs) like maybe like during the actual event i'm more of the stoic silent dad but 
like when we're together, I'm more of the coach dad, you know. Fair enough. Like one on one, yeah, or the coach dad one on one. Okay, good deal. What is one thing that you miss or look forward to do most when we return to some state of normalcy? Well, it depends on what your definition of normalcy is. But, I mean, I'm pretty much going to continue doing what I've been doing, you know. Like, you know, obviously um, protecting myself with the the mask and all of those things. But, yeah, I mean, I still, like, I'm I'm a real estate agent, so they deemed us essential. So I still I still work. It's more it's more of a virtual and electronic process than anything, which kind of makes things easier for a real estate agent these days. Also, um, buyers that are in the market are are more serious buyers, which also helps. So yeah, I'm still pretty much gonna be working, <laughs> and um, and still being a single dad, taking care of my taking care of my son okay is there anything now that you're kind of shying away from or not doing because of covid and the restrictions that you you can't wait to get back to do um yeah probably going to the beach more yeah i I think that that's one thing i mean the plus side about living on the beach is that when they did close down the beach it wasn't as many people on the beach so you could still sneak on the beach but now, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm definitely gonna gotta play, especially in Florida. I have to play defense because um, there's a lot of people that really don't care about um, the coronavirus down there. To be honest with you. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I think that that's probably something that could be said for a lot of places too, but especially there. So right. We're hoping that you can get right. back out there as soon as possible. And last but not least, of course. What is the best piece of advice that you've received that you would like to pass on to someone? Well, um, I live my life by two quotes. Um, one is ignore ignorance. And then um, the second one is a setback is a setup for a comeback. You can bounce back from anything. That's what I pass on. Awesome. Well, I hope everybody out there is listening to that. This has been an incredibly insightful and entertaining interview with Roshan Gales, class of 2003, record holder at Capitol as a running back for the Capitol football team. So, Roshan, once again, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your life with us. It's been it's been a pleasure. And and like you said, go Cowboys. You got it, man. (laughs) Hopefully we have a season, man. (laughs) I don't think we're going to. But. We'll see. Yeah, well, you know, some Browns fans may be hoping that they don't have a season based on, you know, some things that they've been enduring over the years. Uh, who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rayshawn, thank you so much uh, for the time, for, right. uh, for everything. We certainly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Go Crusaders. All right. Go Crusaders. Indeed, this has been Rayshon Gales, class of 2003, standout running back for the Capitol football team as we close up shop here on Forward Capitol Crusaders.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. Special thanks to Dixie Jeffers, Coach Amanda Hubbard, and Rayshon Gales for joining us on today's episode. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast while you're there and leave a rating if you like the show. Our next episode will be on Tuesday, July 13th, when we bring in more Coach Insight and check in with another alumnus of one of our athletic programs. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Cat Fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>